0: We're going to talk about, uh, about being faithful in the little today. And the reason that I'm crying now is because... Because these two people... 42 years serving with Wycliffe Bible Translators. That is a life of faithful in a little... They have served the kingdom and the people of the nations. Before they were doing that, they were, they were working toward that, faithful in a little, 42 years. Short-term missions are good, but a lifetime of missions is what God has called us to and what he's calling you to. And I'm not telling you all need to be missionaries. We'll, we'll talk about that. 42 years. That's honorable in the kingdom. Heaven honors that kind of sacrifice. And they would never have wanted me to say that. Um, but um, I can't not say that with them sitting here talking about what we're talking about. Uh, So we live in, there's a couple pictures we can show you of the real, it is beautiful, that's a water hole, that's some of our kids and our friends, Uh, we're swimming, there's water there for about two months a year, the rest of the time it's dry and brown, but we got to swim there a couple times, and there's a couple more, this is our city, a million people um, it's a place we love and we call home, and we're not there for about a year while we're on sabbatical. Uh, we've been in for nine years, and I didn't want to take a break, and I didn't think I needed to take a break, but I did, and here we are. Uh, and we're trying to get rest and renewed vision and excitement and recover from uh, what is a hard life a lot of times. So. The next one, just another, this is a a mountain that, that's from our roof, from the roof of our house actually, that's called, there's a story there too, I won't tell it to you, but we almost died as a family, (laughs) Uh, climbing to the top of that mountain, and um, we couldn't see 10 feet in front of us when we got to the top, it was just cloudy and rainy, it was scary, but it was an adventure our family took, and uh, we... Live a life of adventure, And there's one more picture. Um, this is from down into the valley. It's stunning for two months a year. Uh, it's really not as stunning the rest of the year because it's brown. Um, in the winter, it gets to about 15 degrees, very cold in the summer to 125. So it is an extreme place, and we, I think, consider ourselves an extreme family. Uh, we have a ton of fun, and we love living the kingdom life. Uh, and I just would urge you, as you consider family, as you are families, as you look at life as a family, that is a unit that God made to bring His kingdom, and it is one of the primary units that He made. It is the primary social unit of of life, and He intended it that way. And it's a hard place, of course but it is the place that God sows and stirs and tills our hearts. And I would just uh, urge you to have high thoughts of family because that's where God has ordained his first work in so so many ways. And yes, we live in, but our kids never knew it was a hard place to live because we told them it was a fun place to live. And they were little when we went, and they knew what we, what we told them. And if we told them this is a hard place to live, they would have grown up thinking it's a hard place to live. But they all love living. Coming to America for a year was not an easy decision to make, and nobody wanted to come. And we're all happy to be living in, the, in, the obedience, in obedience to God because God said for us to be here. So I don't want you to think we don't want to be here. We love America. We love life here. We love the church. The church here, we love what you guys are doing to bring the kingdom. We just also love our calling and our people so much. And it's home to us. Um, We're gonna turn to Matthew 25. If you, uh, your phone, your Bible, whatever it is, it's gonna be up on the screen too. I wanna talk about faithfulness just for a bit this morning. And so it's a, it's a bit of a chunk of verses. We're going to read verse 20, Matthew 25, 14 to 30, and then we'll, then we'll jump in. You know this story. It's familiar to you, the parable of the talents. Um, and I want it to sink into your heart some today. So it says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Okay, can we pause right there real quick? Look at me. He gave to each according to his ability. Can I just tell you in that statement, comparison is dead. You have to kill comparison to thrive in the kingdom. You cannot live in comparison in the kingdom. It doesn't work. It steals your life. It makes you critical. It makes you hurt yourself. There's nothing alive in comparison. It's just death over and over again. I'm not exhorting you. I I want you to be free. This says that the master gave them according to their ability. Now, when we extrapolate this, we're talking about God. He gives you your ability, and then he gives you according to your ability. Like, he's the giver of all that stuff. I'm just, I want you to know that one little statement is critical. He's going to give to you according to your ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more. So also he who had the two made two more. I will set you over much. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forth saying, master, you delivered to me two, and here I've made two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you see any difference between those two blessings from the master? Any? Did quantity matter? Even a little bit? Okay, so let's stop comparing on quantity. He also who had received the one came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I scattered no seed then you ought to have invested my money with the blank, with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. For to everyone ha- who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." So it seems a little harsh. Let me ask you, what was the attitude of the one talent guy? What did he think of the master? What was the master like in his mind? Come on. He was hard. He was scary. The master's response to the two talent and the five talent guys, did he seem hard or scary? No, what did he say to them? Enter into my Joy, does joy seem scary? No, this doesn't seem like a scary guy. But the one talent guy had a, had a f- funny, faulty perspective of the master. He said he was a hard man and he knew that he was greedy or, or something like that. You, you reap where you don't sow and where you haven't scattered seed. His perspective of the master was, you just want more. You just want more. But what was the attitude of the master? It was, I've given you this to take care of. You took care of it. Way to go. I'm so proud of you. You've done well. Now come into my joy. Now that's the heart of the Father. And this this parable we know as the parable of faithful and the little. Listen to me very carefully this is an irrefutable principle of the kingdom. It's immutable, unchangeable, unbreakable. You must be faithful in the little to receive much. You must. The path into the things that are great in God always goes through the little. Can I just say that to you again? the path into the greater things of God always goes through the little things of God first. It never goes from zero to a 100. All of a sudden, God gives you a lot to be faithful with when you have never proven yourself to be faithful. We have to walk in faithfulness with little things. Now, listen, a lot of you guys are young. What I'm not saying is God won't put great things into your hands. What I am saying is, be faithful with what he is putting into your head, into your hands and don't wait for great things because they will never come if all you do is wait for them. They won't come. And what I know is that as you are filled with the spirit of God, you want great things for the kingdom of God. I know that because that's what the spirit of God wants. And if he is indwelling you, then I know it's what you really want. Now, you know and I know about, you know about you and I know about me and that is my flesh wants wants me to be number one. And I've got to wrestle so many times with, well, my flesh wants me, but my spirit wants God, but my flesh wants me, but my spirit wants God. It's it's normal for that wrestling to happen. But the spirit of God in you wants great things for the kingdom. Your ability to walk in those things is to be faithful with today what's in your hands, to be faithful with today the word of God to you if you won't say yes to him when he asks you to repent of a small thing, when he asks you to change this little behavior, when he asks you to walk with your younger brother or sister or a a strange student that is in your class or I don't know who it is or what it is, but if if you wanna do great things, reach the nations, change the world, settle injustice and stop uh, human trafficking, Yes to all of those things, because it's the spirit of God in you. You cannot forget the principle of the kingdom, that you must be faithful in the little to gain access to faithfulness in much. When I was about 16 years old, uh, I loved God deeply. I spent time in the word. I spent hours studying my Bible. My parents really taught me to love the word of God. At the same time as a 16-year-old, I was a thief and I was a liar and I was really mean to people. And to this day, it doesn't make any sense to me how I could live with such passion for God and such disregard for him at the same time. I don't understand. So I'm living in this divided life. I, I wanted to serve God. I loved people. And I had this other stuff. And One of the first times I ever remember God speaking to me, he said, Tim, be hot or cold, or I will spit you out. Changed my life forever. He didn't come to me in an angry way. He just said, Tim, be hot or cold. Now, I always thought hot is good and cold is bad. Um, that hot means you're on fire for God and cold. And so I kind of saw this in a funny way. And then we went to the and we drank hot tea all the time, right? And we served them cold tea one time and they hated it. We, we, gave, we gave Texas sweet tea and they spit it out. They were like, what is this? Now, that's not really what this means, but hot tea is, is a blessing, at the right time when you're cold or when if you drink hot tea. Cold tea in the summer is a blessing. A cold drink, it, it refreshes you. But lukewarm anything is really not a blessing. It's just not. And and I realized as I was thinking about this, oh, I understand this for the first time in my life. God said, you be hot or you be cold. I will delight in either one. Because either way, you're refreshing to me. But do not be lukewarm it changed my life. Now, did I become a saint overnight? No, I had to work through all of the the sin I had built up in my soul and my spirit. Does God free people instantly? Yes, he does. And usually you gotta walk it out and you gotta strip it off and you gotta get rid of it and you gotta repent over and over again. And, but but he does give grace and his grace says, The power of God to do the will of God is for you and with you. You never have to sin ever. He has given you what you need to say yes to him every single time. And I had to walk it out still. But it changed my life because he said, Tim, be hot or cold. And I chose hot or cold. I chose against, I said, okay, God, I'm not lukewarm anymore. And it changed who I am. Um, And that was a step of small faithfulness to me. Uh, When, so I have a a friend. Our job is to help support the church, the local church. There's a few believers. There's probably actually 500 to 1,000 believers. um, That sounds like a lot. There's 6 million people in the region that we're in. Uh, people in, so um, there's about 40 million. When you read the Bible and you read about the Medes and the Persians, the Medes are the same people. Um, And you read Acts chapter two, the spirit of God falls at Pentecost and it mentions that there were a few people groups there that understood the preaching of Peter in their language and our people was one of them. The Medes were there. And that means some of them heard the gospel. And 3,000 people believed that day, and I know some of them were. Um, and our goal is to see the church established. in It looks so different than here. I'm sure you know that, but... You can't can't go share the gospel with someone and they kind of respond and so you bring them into the church because then their family will either kill them or reject them completely. We don't hide. We, We do not hide. We never tell someone to deny loving and knowing Jesus. Ever, never. We tell them to be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus is the one who said that. Not to lie, Always the truth, but to be shrewd. There's a lot of ways to go sideways with people. To go to your family and say, hey, I've been praying, which is normal to them, and God has started speaking to me. That's weird. What does that mean? You know, start a conversation. Don't say, I'm a Christian, a very loaded word. So we're walking with people in how to do that. And God is doing a lot. Came in two thousand fourteen, and they came all around the region, never into the region really. Uh, openness has taken off. People have been shattered; the just have been shattered over the last three or four years, and our friends are seeing a tremendous amount of fruit. Um, we, on the other hand, uh, it's fruits hard to come by. Nine years, nine years we've been there. Um, My church is really good. My family's church is really good. We can share the gospel, no problem. We have a lot. And we don't see visible fruit. Nine years. That starts to get disappointing. Faithful in the little is really hard sometimes. It is really hard sometimes. Sometimes. Um, so I've got this friend. We moved about four years ago. We moved into a a new city and he was the neighbor across the street. It took us about a year to get to know each other, but I found out he's good at a lot of things. And so, uh, we would need his help from time to time, or I would go visit him in the, we started talking and actually was a traveler. When he was young, he went to, he was actually kind of a drug trafficker and a, he made alcohol, which is totally illegal, and but this this uh, priest, or I don't I don't actually know who he was, ministered to him and his friends. Would visit them when they were in jail. Uh, he would bring them into his house and says he had no food. He had no food. He had this like this much rice, and he would make it, and we would eat, and all be satisfied. <laughs> We didn't have anything to eat and we would be satisfied and we didn't know how. And sometimes it had bugs in it, but, but something spiritual happened. And as I would hang out together and we would work on air conditioners or do different stuff that needed to be done that he was helping me with, we would have these great conversations. Um, And he, he, uh, he said, can God, can God love someone who's done a lot of bad stuff? One time we were sitting in his living room, and I got to tell him, do you know that's the the best thing and the unique thing about who we are and about Jesus? He loves the people like that. He chases those people. He welcomes those people. And he was just like, oh, okay. And that was it. End of conversation. That was it. But every time we're together, he's throwing out these questions. And... um. In the end, I think he's 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 come to faith. And he's the only person that I've had a part of bringing to faith. Man, I love him so much. He is such a a, a heart friend to me because we're similar in a lot of ways and we work on air conditioners together. And like, it, it's such a joy and he's so simple. We walked into a tea house, we, we eat lunch in, near his shop. Um, once a week or something. And we walked into this tea house and he knew this guy sitting there. And he was like, "Ah, I know him. And they start talking and he asks how he's doing. And he says his daughter's in the hospital. And he leans over to me and says, Tim, we need to pray for him, for his daughter. And I was like, okay, go for it, you know? So the guy's kind of like, what do you mean can you pray for me? Not a Muslim context thing. And uh, I said, get his phone number and we'll go visit him, you know? We never visited him. But in his heart, he said, Tim, we have to pray for him. And he's just being transformed a little bit at a time. And for me, the the faithful and the little is that, because there's a lot of disappointment in what we do. Just like you, I want to see the kingdom come. I've been called to this people. My family has been called to this people. And we haven't led anybody to faith. And other missionaries are leading more people to faith than we are. And in my spirit, I rejoice. And in my flesh, I'm like, that is not fair. Is better, <laughs> right? All the things the comparison starts, and faithfulness is really hard under comparison. It can't last. It just it, it will eat the life out of you. And we're on sabbatical in some ways because over the last three years, I think my wall, ha- my heart has just built walls. My faith has has decreased as the walls have increased, as I'm disappointed that God's not using me the way I I hoped he would, that I'm not getting to walk with some people that I would like to walk with or, or that I was getting pulled away by other missionaries and it hurts my heart. And the disappointment is really hard. And in the good spirit days, I understand fruit's not my job. Fruit is God's job. But it's been harder to to just say, okay, God, I'm not worried about that over the last couple years. And I can't wait till God sows into my heart what it is that's gonna propel me and our family into the next season of ministry. And right now I'm waiting and I don't like waiting We plan to go back in July or June or July of 2019. That's that's when we're headed back. And that means between now and then, God is going to do something radical in my heart because I need him to. One of the radical things he's done is introduced us to these people. If you could bring up that next picture, Mary. Thank you. Um, That is quintessential. It's who he is. He is joy personified. He is a riot. So that's um, the little girl in yellow, uh, and then wife and their mom has the red hat on and is out on the outside with the gray and white hat. So this is the family. We prayed for them for 10 years, and we didn't know who they were or what their names were. Their families fled in their, their families fled in 1990-ish to London from persecution as a reckless teenager walked into a church and got radically saved. Led her brother to faith. A couple years later, she, she says, why don't you come to this youth retreat with us? She gets completely undone. He's like on the floor, weeping, praying in tongues, no clue what's going on. He gets up and he's like, I guess I'm saved. <laughs> and... Someone prophesies over him and says, you will go back to your people and reach them. That was 14 or 15 years ago. And they arrived in two years ago. And we became soul friends, our families. When we get together with them to hang out, we're on the one side, we are laughing about stupid things, (laughs) not worth mentioning. And we are crying out to God in the same time sometimes saying, God, come on. What are you going to do? And they are our teammates and partners and family mm-hmm. and And they don't have the barriers that we have. Faithful in the little. Ten years of praying is worth it. His, his eternity is worth it however many years, it would be worth it. It would be worth it. There is this this, like satisfaction in God and dissatisfaction in the kingdom hasn't come yet at the same time. And we have to live in that tension of I'm satisfied in you, I'm satisfied in you, but I am not satisfied by the world and its condition, by the people and their lostness. And so we have to walk in that tension all the time and faithfulness in the little requires that of us. Um so the man um, the Norway picture I really ended up not having time last time either but I'll tell it to you cuz it's kind of a funny story. I was really really exhausted at the end of last summer. We had moved, I was just exhausted. And we needed a break. So we have these friends who hosted us in Norway and I'm I'm out in a canoe fishing with Jesus and it's wonderful. I'm just spending time with the Lord and fishing in this canoe and then the wind started blowing and and little waves on this lake and I'm like, I gotta get back to get out of the lake and I'm like paddling this oar and all of a sudden, first of all, it's cold, it's the fall, it's freezing in Norway. I'm in three layers of clothes. I know how to swim so I didn't have a life vest. Dumb number one. The water is probably 50 degrees and all of a sudden I'm in the water and I don't know how I got there and I pop up out of the water and you know how it is when you jump in a freezing cold swimming pool you can't breathe and the boat's gone because the wind blew it away and I can't get my head above the water and I'm I I think God is this really how I'm gonna die (laughs) I live in I'm gonna drown because I don't put a life vest on, you know. Obviously, you know the end of the story, but I I thought, really. And I, I finally got my shoes off and got my jacket off and could float to that little tiny island that was in the picture, and was my rescuer. Although she almost died on the way, she had to row a rowboat uh, that didn't want to be rowed, so she made it. I think the wind mostly pushed her to me, but. Uh, I was rescued. But it was a precipitation. It was something that preceded needing to come home. It was just a God expressing to me my weakness in some ways. And I, I didn't want to come home, this home. I didn't want to be weak. I didn't want to need to come home. But even in that faithful in the little, we've got to be faithful to obey. God told us it's time to come rest and... Um, so we said yes, and here we are, and we're expectant that God is going to move. Now, we need to, to lay in this plane. Let's look at Revelation 7 real quick. And then I have uh, something to give you based on this verse, this passage. 7, 9 to, 9 to 12. And after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Let me ask you, is there any ambiguity in the word all or every? Anyone? Unclear on what that means. This means all and every. There's no ambiguity about who's around the throne of heaven. And it says every tribe and tongue and language saying amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Because the elders and the creatures knew that the promise was the nations around the throne of God. Now listen to me carefully, Antioch. This morning as we were praying, the, the, I was praying with the leaders God gave me an anointing for this church. I have never experienced anything like this. And and I'm gonna tell you what it is. And this is for you as a community and a people. And you need to walk, and you'll walk it, you are walking it out. This is just a name. It's a name to who you are. This is not like a new direction. Tyler wouldn't let me do that. That's not what this is. This is just God saying, I see you and I see who you are. And because he's telling you your name, when he tells us our names, we know who we are. You have a Revelation 7, 9 anointing. You are a church for the nations and the tribes and the tongues and the languages. And I want you always to know that that's who you are. That might mean you're here forever, and that might mean you're in the nations forever, and it will mean everything in between. I'm not saying I know that you're all called to come to me. You're welcome. I mean you're welcome to come. I'm I'm I am saying that this anointing is on this people, and I see it. It's a part of your name. And our name tells us who we are. You are a church with an anointing for the nations. Guys, you can come on up. Can you stand up? And I'm not sure how you feel responding to that, but I would like for you to to soak in that we are a people of the nations. This morning, he sent me a text message and she said, Tim, we're normal people. And God gave us a calling to go to, and that was our new threshold. But we can't stop listening to God because we found our our calling to the nations. We have to listen to Him today and tomorrow and the next day, and we have to say yes to whatever it is He says. And so, as we respond to God right now, I want you to know that you are a church for the nations, and I want you to know that God wants to to tell you your next step. I don't know if he's gonna speak that clearly this morning, but I want you to ask, God, what is it? Where can I be faithful in the next little step? Because I wanna be in the greater things of God. This This is a church of people who will see the great things of God come to earth. You are a people who will change the world. I see it in you. I feel it in my spirit when I'm with you. You are a special people with a special calling and a special anointing that you will reach to the far ends of the earth. And you can sit in your closet and pray and reach the far ends of the earth, but you can also walk there. So as you respond, just respond to the Lord. God, what what do you have for me? What's my next step? and you can be faithful in the little and in that little step, great things will come. Not for you, they will be for you, but for Jesus and for his kingdom. And you will be a participant in the greatest move of God the world has ever known, ever.